Butts and Guts, a Cleveland Clinic podcast exploring your digestive and surgical health from end to end. Hi, everybody, and welcome again to another episode of Butts and Guts. I'm your host, Scott Steele, the chairman of colorectal surgery here at the Cleveland Clinic in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. And I'm very pleased to have a topic we haven't covered before, and that's preserving fertility in children with cancer. And I'm pleased to welcome our expert, our own Seth Rotz, who is a pediatric oncologist, and he's the director of the High Five Cancer Survivors Clinic at Cleveland Clinic Children. Seth, welcome to Butts and Guts. Yeah, glad to be here. Thank you. So just as a little bit of background to kind of set the stage for our audience, uh, you know, advances in pediatric cancer treatment allow more than 80% of children to survive at least five years and hopefully long-term after their diagnosis. And what we're looking for and what we're going to talk about today is kind of trying to address some of the long-term, potentially negative consequences uh, with some of the cancer therapy. It's extremely important. And one of those is infertility, a very top concern. And we're really looking forward to discussing this with Dr. Roth today. So Seth, uh, for those who don't know you as well, can you give us a little bit about your background? Where are you from? Where did you train? And how did it come to the point that you're here at the Cleveland Clinic? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I uh, grew up in nor- Northeast Ohio uh, myself. Uh, I've been in Ohio throughout my training. Um, I actually trained in uh, internal medicine and pediatrics before I became a pediatric oncologist. So I'm uh, familiar taking care of adults. And in uh, my clinical practice, I see um, kids with uh, cancer and kids that are getting bone marrow transplants, but um, kind of my real passion is taking care of uh, long-term survivors and making sure that, you know, even after they're treated, that they're staying healthy for the long term. And that's kind of where some of my um, background in internal medicine comes in as people uh, start to get up there in age to make sure that somebody's kind of looking out for, hey, you got radiation or you got chemotherapy as part of your treatment. What, what kinds of things do we need to be thinking about as you get older in terms of keeping you healthy? Uh, So that's uh, kind of the background of my clinical practice. So obviously these are delicate conversations, especially when it talks about not only with youth, but also with their parents. Can you give us a little bit of some insight into how do you even start that conversation about fertility preservation and and, and how old do you deem that you want to have this in mind? So how do you go about that? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. You know, depending on the patient's age, sometimes the conversation is more with the patient, sometimes it's more with the parents, and sometimes it's a combination of both. You know, we treat kids as, uh, you know, uh, infants with cancer, and we also treat young adults with cancer. So it really depends on the patient's age in terms of how the conversation goes. Um, but our goal is to have a conversation about uh, fertility and infertility and potential fertility preservation options with all of our new cancer um, diagnosis patients before we start therapy. And yeah, the, the conversations can be delicate, but and they can be awkward, frankly, sometimes too. But the bottom line is I think most people are really receptive to hearing this because as uh, patients and families get a new cancer diagnosis, it's, it's, it's in, incredibly unsettling. But I think for a lot of folks too, um, starting to have that conversation about fertility is a little bit of a bright point because, you know, all of a sudden, you have this diagnosis of cancer, but you're also talking about getting over that cancer and trying to think about life on the other side of things. So I think a lot of families, um, as tough of a conversation as it can be sometimes, appreciate that we're thinking about taking care of these things long-term. Different families have different levels of interest depending on the age. You know, we try to meet families where they are. 
Uh, we just try to give them all the facts so that they can make um, the best decision possible. But there are different options um, available for all different ages of folks. And I think we'll talk about that coming up. But yeah, there's there's no age that's too young. Although some some things are experimental, there's possible options for, for most age groups. So what are the fertility preserving options for males and females? Yeah, so there's a spectrum of things um, depending on the patient's age and how much time we have before we need to start therapy. So certainly things are a little bit simpler in patients that are post-pubertal. So for males, uh, cryopreserving sperm is fairly easy and straightforward, and we can do that pretty quickly, even if we need to start therapy you know, right away. In females, we can actually uh, make a referral to women's health, and they can do something called uh, random start ovarian uh, stimulation. So they give a couple different hormones, and within about two weeks or so, a lot of times um, they can harvest uh, some eggs and then freeze those for later use. And if it's a, a married couple or something along those lines, uh, you can actually uh, fertilize those uh, eggs and freeze them as embryos. So there's a couple options there. But uh, for females, it takes a little bit more time uh, to do things. And sometimes time's of the essence with a new cancer diagnosis, but a lot of times we can actually slow down and do that if that's what folks want to do. For younger females or females that don't have as much time, we can actually do something called ovarian tissue cryopreservation. So this consists of actually taking the ovary out of the body and freezing it. And then later on, when the patient is interested in having kids, you actually can re-implant parts of that ovary, and they work pretty well. So there's been over 100 babies born this way. Uh, so that's no longer considered experimental. Uh, so that's an option for prepubescent females or females who maybe you need to get chemotherapy started right away. And, and in males, it's, it's really experimental at this point, but something that folks are working on is called a testicular tissue cryopreservation. So this is actually taking a small piece of the testes out, freezing it. And the idea being that, you know, somewhere along the lines, we'll have the technology available to re-implant that tissue and eventually produce sperm. And in monkeys, there's been some offspring produced that way, but never a human baby. Hopefully in due time, we'll have the technology to be able to do that. So let's go a little bit more into those experimental therapies. Uh, so any other ones that are out there or anything that you can think of that's on the horizon in terms of this? Well, you know, right now, when we have these conversations with folks, you know, we know technology is, is changing significantly. So a lot of times our goal is to say, hey, let's just get stuff in the freezer right now. And we'll see where things are at in 10 or 20 years down the line when you're interested in having kids. One of the things right now with the ovarian tissue is um, that we have to be cognizant of is if there's a couple cancer cells hanging out in that ovary, we absolutely don't want to reimplant that 10 or 20 years down the line once somebody's cured of cancer. So some of the lab work that's going on is, is trying to take that ovarian tissue out and separate some of those really primordial eggs that are in there and be able to basically just fertilize those eggs as opposed to putting that ovarian tissue back in so that there's really no chance of reinserting the cancer. So that's something that people are working on uh, in the lab right now. And then in terms of that male testicular uh, tissue cryopreservation, you know, um, a lot of times when you do that, it would be a prepubescent male in trying to find ways to take those prepubescent sperm stem cells basically and mature them outside of the body is kind of an area of active research. Again, you know, when we're having these discussions with uh, patients and families, especially with these really young kids, 
you know, we, we don't know exactly how this technology is going to develop over the next couple of years. But my general sense with parents is, hey, let's get it in the freezer. So if there is this technology that develops, you know, we, we got a chance uh, later on. That's fantastic. So let's go into a, what I like to call truth or myth. Okay. Cancer treatment can be modified to preserve fertility. Truth or myth? I think that's truth. You know, certainly some types of cancers have a tried and true method. You know, we know treatment regimen A works best and, and, you know, we don't really want to compromise there. Or maybe there's only one treatment regimen. But there's certainly other diseases where we have a couple different, um, I'd say, equivalent treatment options. Um, one diagnosis that comes to mind uh, is Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, there's a lot of different ways that you can treat Hodgkin's lymphoma, all with fairly similar outcomes. And some of those regimens are more toxic in terms of fertility. Some are more toxic because they require radiation that might affect breast tissue and increase the risk for breast cancer later on. So when we have those diagnoses where there's not you know, one clear standard of care, we like to have those conversations with patients and families and say, hey, you know, these are the pros and cons of each, each regimen here. You know, what can you guys sleep with um, at night? What feels most comfortable to you? So we will at times modify things if people feel really um, strongly about trying to limit one type of side effect, we'll absolutely do that. The other thing that we can do, you know, and I touched on this a little bit before is in general, try to treat new cancers pretty quickly. Um, but sometimes we have more time than we um, give ourselves credit for. And I think a lot of folks are really anxious to get started. But um, I think just the sometimes we're a little bit able to sit back and do some of these fertility preservation techniques like the egg harvest that we just talked about, if we're able to wait two or three weeks before we're starting treatment. So in that respect, we can modify treatment, we can wait a little bit um, so that we're able to, to do some things. Truth or myth, a patient's gender or age at the time of treatment can have an impact on future infertility. Absolutely a truth, um, more so on the female side. So we know, um, first of all, when we look at the risk of infertility um, in males and females, the ovaries are generally a little bit more hardy than the testes. So the females are a little bit tougher, a little bit more resistant to infertility. Uh, but in particular with females, we know prepubescent females are a little bit more able to tolerate radiation and chemotherapy a little bit more than postpubescent females. So there's not necessarily a true age cutoff, but really the pubertal status can, can affect um, the risk of infertility at the time of treatment. So I know I asked you this a little bit earlier, but what's on the horizon as far as the future research and the treatment approaches for this uh, further fertility preservation? Yeah, so, you know, we touched on some of the lab experiments. There's a couple drugs out there that people have tried. The term protective. it's kind of a, a funny term, but the idea that you can perhaps give some drugs um, during uh, cancer treatment that can help affect or help prevent infertility. The main group of these drugs is called uh, GnRH agonists. Uh, that's mostly for females, drugs like uh, luprolide. Um, and the data on that is fairly mixed. So there's some more trials um, getting designed now so we can get some definitive answers if you know, giving these drugs during treatment can help protect the ovaries. And then there's some other you know, preclinical drugs on the horizon to try to protect fertility. Um, but I think really the main things you know, that we talked about earlier is, particularly in the prepubescent kids, trying to refine those technologies so that 
hey, you don't need to make a decision right now, but let's, you know, take out an ovary or take out a piece of testes and put it in the freezer and have some confidence that we can use that, you know, down the line uh, if you're interested in having kids. And really refining those techniques is a lot of where the research uh, is right now. So let's kind of, as we close up shop here, can you give our listeners a little bit of an overview about Cleveland Clinic Children's Survivorship Clinic? So um, we have a, a survivorship clinic. We see folks that were treated for childhood cancer or young adult cancers. We see people up to all ages, so you don't have to be a child to come there. And basically, you know, what we are is we're a, a specialist with expertise in cancer survivorship. So we're, we're not seeking to do primary care, but we're there to talk about you know, what was the type of cancer treatment that you received and what are the potential risk factors. And we also have partnerships with various specialists throughout, you know, the Cleveland Clinic Institution. So, for example, if you received a type of chemotherapy called anthracyclines, um, those can affect the heart functioning and, and uh, put you at risk for heart disease as you get older. Now, we have cardiologists, both, both in pediatrics and adults, that have particular interests in this. So, you know, for example, if you got one of these types of chemotherapies, we might order um, an ultrasound to your heart to make sure your heart was in good shape. And if we saw something a little bit off, depending on your age, you know, we refer you to somebody in the institution uh, who's got some expertise in this. And this kind of goes across all different areas. So we see folks, again, of, of all ages that were treated for cancer. We have a discussion about what chemotherapy they got. And a lot of times we're able to figure it out, even if, if patients don't know. And then um, make sure that we're adequately screening and really trying to inform and empower patients to take control of their health so that they're aware of, you know, what risks may come up as they get older and, and trying to help them navigate those risks. That's fantastic stuff. And so we'd like to end each of these with our, uh, our experts getting a little bit better to know you. And so we'd like to end up with some quick hitters. So first okay. of all, what's your favorite meal? What's my favorite meal? Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, during the pandemic, we've been having a ton of takeout. I've been really enjoying uh, Indian takeout uh, more recently, I guess. What's your favorite sport? Baseball. I'm a big uh, fantasy baseball player, uh, so it was an interesting season this year, um, but uh, really enjoy watching baseball. Race to the finish. What is the last non-medical book that you've read? The last non-medical book. I just read a uh, book uh, about the Civil War called The Killer Angels, which was quite interesting. It's a historical fiction, um, but it's from the perspective of the generals in the Civil War. That was mandatory reading when I went to West Point. And then finally, what is uh, one of the favorite things that you like about living here in Northeast Ohio and Cleveland? I like the summers more than the winter. <laughs> um, Cleveland's a fantastic place to raise a family. And, you know, uh, for seven or eight months of the year, I think we just have absolutely fantastic weather. Now, uh, I won't comment too much on the wintertime, but um, I, just, I just love the summers here. And, you know, dealing with the pandemic, of course, this year in particular, uh, it was so nice to be able to be outside for a while and, uh, you know, not be overwhelmed with the heat, uh, but just enjoy some of the natural treasures to be able to walk around you know, all the areas of Lake Erie and, and the Metro Parks with my family and, and to go running in some of those places to help clear my mind. Uh, I love it here. That's great stuff. So give us a final take-home message for our listeners regarding this whole topic of fertility and preserving it in children with cancer. Yeah, I think uh, if I was to have one take-home point, you know, I think all families dealing with a new cancer diagnosis should be having a conversation with their oncologist at the time of diagnosis about the risk of fertility 
and potential options. Um, we know when we talk to cancer survivors that this is number one or two on their mind uh, when they come to survivorship clinic. They are often asking, hey doc, is this cancer coming back? Number one, and, and usually if they're in survivorship clinic, that, that's you know the basic answer is no, it's not coming back. And then number two is, am I gonna be able to have kids? So I think kind of having that conversation early on, setting expectations, and uh, when we do have the ability to offer fertility preservation to, to do so. But I think number one is just having that conversation uh, with folks as early as possible. Well, we sure appreciate you taking the time with us here. And to learn more about cancer treatment options at Cleveland Clinic Children's, please visit clevelandclinicchildrens.org slash cancer. That's clevelandclinicchildrens.org slash cancer. And to make an appointment with Cleveland Clinic Children's, please call 216-444-5517. That's 216-444-5517. In times like these, it's important for you and your family to continue to receive medical care and be rest assured that here at the Cleveland Clinic, we're taking all the necessary precautions to sterilize our facilities and protect our patients. Dr. Roths, thank you so much for joining us on Butts and Guts. Yeah, it was great. Thanks for having me. That wraps things up here at Cleveland Clinic. Until next time, thanks for listening to Butts and Guts.